Doctor, look. Stand aside, nurse. I'm Doctor Homebrew. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to another fantastic episode of Doctor Homebrew. We got a lot of stuff to cover today. We have a very special guest, Julia Hurts from the AHA, the American Homebrew Association, the executive director of the American Homebrewers Association, has decided to come on our show for some reason, for reasons unknown. Now, uh, to talk about beer, she has homebrew she sent us. She has a book that she sent us. And she has a wealth of knowledge that we're going to extract from her gray matter today on the show. Julia, welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you to the three of you, to the listeners listening live and those listening later. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's great to have I'm you. I'm really excited. I remember um, my very first uh, American Homebrew Association, uh, you know, gathering, I guess, uh, you know, NHC back then. It was in Texas. And I think that's when we met, like in 2001. I don't know if I've ever been to Texas for NHC. No, when what? Okay, you, it was. I, we're gonna have to figure it out, we'll but I don't think I. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. Well, definitely, definitely in the in the early two thousands. I've sure. known you for a long time, and uh, I think this is my first time having you on my show. I think you've been on the session maybe a couple times. I can't really remember, but I'm really excited about it. I'm glad to have you here, and more importantly, you sent us beer. That's yeah. something that, uh, I don't know, you went above and beyond. So I appreciate that very much. Well, we're going to talk about that as well. Yeah. Right, guys? Brian and Brian, of course, yeah. we're going to be yeah, yeah. Exactly. chatting about the beer here, huh? Full rundown. Full rundown, yeah. Before we get there, though, I want to thank our sponsor, Five Star Chemicals. You go to fivestarchemicals.com today and learn about the best ways to clean and sanitize your home brewing equipment, which is, of course, cleaning it with PBW and sanitizing it with Star Sand. That's it. That's the way to do it. You know, if you're going to make good beer, if you're going to make quality homebrew or commercial beer for that matter, but you guys are, if you're investing hundreds of thousands of dollars into your equipment, you already know this, right? But if you're a homebrewer and you go, well, you know, I just didn't really have time. I'm just going to skip it. I, I didn't I'm empty the spigot out. I didn't disassemble my ball valve. It'll, it'll be, it'll be fine. Maybe it'll be fine once. It's not going to be fine twice. So just go ahead and take it apart. Use PBW, use star sand. Do all that stuff. Go to fivestarchemicals.com slash homebrew hyphen club hyphen program. You can sign up. It's very free. It's a homebrew club program that they will send you a bunch of information every month about what's happening at Five Star, different ways that you can engage with uh, with what they're doing. It gives you uh, lessons in, in, in cleaning, cleanliness and sanitation and all that kind of fun stuff. So check them out. They bring you this show each and every month, and we really appreciate it. Man, I'm like out of breath. I was, I was like running around doing all the beer. Going, <laughs> Not only is it free, it's very it's free. Very so free yeah. All these extra words uh, put you out of breath. I, I, exactly. I am. I'm nervous. We got we got an executive director on this. Usually, it's just a schlub home brewer. But this is Julia. Oh, you're not nervous. You know I mean? Come, Come on, on now. VIP. I, I got something exciting to tell you guys. Uh, let Jason kind of take a breath here before please, he gets started. Please. So I've been had my eye on this uh, clearance Comos kegerator over at the Concord yes, uh, mothership of right, more beer. Right. And that thing is, it was a screaming deal. And I'd seen it like two months ago. I was over there recently and I saw it still there. 
And I mentioned that to my wife and she got that for me for Christmas slash our anniversary. So I now have a single tap flow control Como's kegerator with the regulator and the tower fan and all that good stuff. And all I need now, because I I I was so excited for homebrewing again (laughs) after doing the Dr. Ombre for a couple of shows ago, doing that Mexican lager. And even though I did it on janky stuff, I found in my house and it was like, it was, and it still came out okay. It, that kind of got me excited. All the the smells and the flavors and just that whole the whole process. I got excited about doing it again. So all I need now is like a little Bruzilla type of thing, and I'm good to go. I'm I'm going to start brewing again. Hey, yeah, you know, boy. by end of this year, start of next year, I'm going to be putting wow. out you know not a ton of beer, but I'll be putting out some beer. Do it. Atta boy, I love to hear it, man. Yeah, the, get a Brazil. I get that it's a robo brew in, in yeah. Australia, but the Brazil, yeah, I love that thing. It's so easy. It's so easy to use. It makes great beer too. Exactly. Yeah. This exactly. Be, you know, something we talk about later in the show too. I mean, what does it take to get uh, have an old dog? You know, Whoa, <laughs> yeah. learn, uh, hey, I'm, not I'm only going to be fifty-seven. Yeah. Have, a, <laughs> have a wrinkled, disgusting yeah. old home brewer learning how to brew again. <laughs> Just the worst. That's yeah, yeah. really on it. Way to sell it, gentlemen. Way <laughs> yeah. What is that important mean? points? You want to you want to rub the Bengay on yourself after brewing, not before. You know the li- liniments, all the liniments and whatever. Wow. You do that after you touch all your I, yeah. ingredients. I, That's what important. What I do is I use an old icy hot container for starters. <laughs> And I feel like that yeah. <laughs> really adds a bit of menthol. Well, to it. I think then then you have the magic of Shaquille O'Neal helping out your yeast. It's icy hot. Oh, well, you know, it's icy hot. Sometimes, sometimes people start out, they have the bug really bad and then they move on and, or they have kids or they have yeah. life things happen. Yeah. But then, you know, what does it take to get that? Julia, that back, you, you would appreciate the, what Brian Shar he brewed on a, a spaghetti pot into a Dutch oven. <laughs> no, no. Well, yeah, you know, I, it was wild. I was trying to make like, a, we were all making the same recipe and I hadn't brewed in six years. I, got divorced and I had a lot of stuff, right? I had the 20 gallon kettles. I had a lot of equipment. I just didn't have space for it. And I I sold it all and I didn't brew for a long time. So we did a show a couple of months ago where we had to all brew a Mexican lager. And I brewed just on stuff I had in the house at a spaghetti pot with like that strainer. I put my grain in. I thought it was like a two gallon capacity. It wasn't. I sized my recipe for two gallons. I ended up pulling out like my Dutch oven, sparging by putting that strainer in the Dutch oven and pouring <laughs> some tap water over. It was just janky as hell, but it's still, I still made drinkable beer. And I, I did a show where I talked a lot about making not the best beer, but drinkable beer with just common household equipment. Thousand percent love it. And that's the MacGyver in each of us being kind of yep. tested. Yeah. You don't have to have the advanced equipment. I brew stovetop no. these days watching a movie or, you know, a football game. I brew yeah. on the patio with my 10-gallon gravity-fed, you know, yeah. Cajun cooker system. And then I brew in the garage with an electric, more modern system. And every time, yeah. you still can make great beer. If, if, frankly, if you're getting quality ingredients and you have a trusted recipe and you get your water ratios and sterilization right, it's more about the brewer people than the equipment. Exactly. Yeah. Deep thought, and it's true. So don't Totally agree. Try. Yeah. Test totally yourself. agree. Test yourself. I was surprised. So I'll tell you this: you'll, you'll have to laugh at this because it's sterilization. Thankfully, it didn't take long before I between packaging and these guys judging it. I didn't have a funnel 
that I, or any or a, a siphon that I could use to get the beer out of my fermenter, which was an old corny keg. So I ended up pouring it into a pitcher and getting the beer like on the handles of the corny kegs. I couldn't do it. I didn't have anything else I could do it, do it with. It was, it was crazy. And I think I still got what guys like a 28 or a 30. Yeah, something like I that. ended up getting on that, that beer. Now, if it two more weeks, it would have been like horrible and phenolic yeah, I, I and whatever need to, to, to but, brag about the score you got. No, it was, it was by far the lowest of the three, the journey, but yeah, it was, it, it was the journey, but yeah, yeah, you're right. If you have sterilization, right. Uh, in, in particular, but it, and all the other things Julie was talking about, man, you don't need to have fancy stuff to make good and that's beer. That's why I love this show. And I was talking on the last show too, where, um, you know, in my earlier days learning at a homebrew, it was very stressful. I put a lot of stress on myself because I'm like, okay, it has to be perfect. It has to be commercial drinkable, right? Commercial you know, example. You have to give it to someone and they have to tell you, I would pay for this. You know, I would, uh, this is great. Mm. And if it didn't happen, if that wasn't the way, if that didn't, if that wasn't how it went out, it would suck. It'd be like, oh, well, I mean, I only got a 35 in a competition or my neighbor doesn't like my beer. or I don't like my beer or whatever. Right. But I took a break from homebrewing and now I'm back into it and I don't care as much. I, I, I found that like, I yeah. enjoy the process more and, and instead of worrying about the outcome, once you take away all of the worries and fears that you put on yourself when you do a hobby, any hobby, right? But I think it, it translates very well to homebrewing. It, it, the, the process mm-hmm. is more enjoyable. Don't worry about it. Yes. You're, having, you're having fun. You're just having a great time. There was a book in the 90s. There were like two books that I had. I had Papazian, of course. And then there was some other book. I forget the name of the author, so I won't embarrass anybody. But Papazian's like, relax, don't worry, have a homebrew. Other guy is, you got, damn it, you better worry. And you better worry about everything. And here's all the things you better worry about. And guess whose book is still on my shelf? And guess whose book didn't make it through like five moves ago <laughs> the uh, and got sent to Goodwill or something? Yeah, yeah that was the, the worry. You know, Papazian was right about that 100%. Sure, absolutely. Life lessons from homebrewing yeah. is what y'all are getting at. Yeah. Exactly. Absolutely. Exactly. <laughs> Julie's like, yep. I just, the, the knowing, the knowing <laughs> nod. Yep. There you go. Been there, boys. Been there. Anyway, Julia, how how are you doing? You you're you're talking about you're brewing a lot. You have three different systems in your house. You're just you're you're still in it. What what beer did you send us for this show? Well, I don't know if you opened it. I couldn't wait any longer. <laughs> yeah. I sent you and Brilliant. and counseled to be by the Mr. Um, Jamil Zanishev. Oh. I asked him. I said, "Look, you're into bitters. I love bitters. Be my guide. You know, give me some recipes." He kindly sent me an incredible. I mean, his one of his shows on the Brewing Network actually goes through this entire recipe. Mm-hmm. He went to Fuller's. He learned. Many tips and tricks and the fermentation temperatures and taking the yeast through all these stages is really what I think is the jam for why it's such a successful beer. But it's a it's an extra special bitter. It's a it's I would say mine fermented out, maybe based on my water ratios being a little low, lower efficiency. I don't know. Fermented a little drier, though. I'm calling it a best bitter instead of all the way to ESB. It finished at 10, 9. So a little drier, a little lower, but not the lowest end for best bitter, at least on 2021 guidelines. I'm looking forward to it. I love a, I love a bitter. I love ESB. I love all of that. The English style beers, my favorite. And and I have had this text conversation with Jamil on multiple occasions as well. Like, hey man, 
I'm Bruno, <laughs> Bruno ESV. What do you got for me? How do I do this? What's going on? Help. <laughs> Even though I have his book, I'm going to just text him. He's not doing anything now. You know what I mean? He's traveling. I'm editing the, uh, <laughs> the last Bruce Strong show right now. And he's like, he's, he's going, well, yeah, I'm traveling for 35 days in Europe. And he names off these cities I've never heard of. It's like, we're going here. And then Liz and I are going to Rome. And then we're coming back to Luxembourg. And then we're doing this. I'm like, what are you just traveling for like a month and a half? I don't know. When you sell a brewery, I guess that's what you can do. You can just go and live your life. You don't have to stress out about this dumb stuff. Like, well, this, this is the fermenter's at 70. What if it was at 69? Let's try it. I don't know. Let's see. Let's do another one at 71. Who knows? What's the difference? And you do a pan anyway, whatever. All right. So we got a, we got a, a best bitter from Julia. I'm excited about this. Cooper, you want to start us off? Sure. All right, let's go. We, uh, yeah, we just got the beer. We, uh, we got the beer. Uh, it landed at JP's house, I think, yesterday, right? Yesterday. And, morning, um, Nothing like cutting it close. Thanks for the nudge, Brian. <laughs> I, was, I was really having a hard I know. You were, you were traveling and running around, and, and like, we're, we're happy that we even got it. But, yeah, so I went and grabbed it after we, we live a little ways apart, all of us here, but, uh, I made it work and we got the beer. So, uh, it has recently traveled like last night in my car. So yes, <laughs> um, even if you'd sent it a week ago, we'd probably still do this <laughs> dance the night before the show. That's kind of the way that it, it oh, good, turns up yeah. or the day of the show. We're like, well, I don't know. I can't come yeah. here. I can't go there then. And it ends up being like the day before we end up doing the dance of, of the beer. Yeah. That is You're very... kind for the economy's sake where you only had me ship it to one location. You could have been like, <laughs> ship it to these three addresses. <laughs> that, yeah. that would just be rude. We used to do that for a little while in pandemic, but it was just, it's too much. Yeah. But um, yeah, I think we were afraid to see each other at that point, but yeah, no, we kept the show going and, yeah. and people, people were generous with that. No, I'm yeah, still afraid was... to see you guys. Yeah. I, I know. <laughs> okay. So the bottle had a nice, nice little hiss upon opening, uh, good fill level. In the nose, it's a, a pleasant low English malt with a bread crust like, uh, rich bread crust, and a, a medium high caramelly uh, richness in there. Uh, just clean and nicely complex nose. It's got a, a modest fruitiness as it warms. It comes out a little bit more, but it's not a, a fruit bomb. It's not screaming just. Wow, the yeast went crazy here. It's it's really uh, smooth and muted there. <clears throat> Not getting any DMS, uh, no diacetyl. Um, the hops come in kind of medium low with an earthiness, um, and as it as it warms too, I get get a little more complexity in the malt yet. Some biscuity, and uh, you know, just a really nice warm malt component there, alongside the uh, you know uh, a bit of hop. Uh, in the English vein there. Uh, Appearance-wise, it's a deep uh, amber color with a, you know, but we're getting closer, you know, close towards copper even, um, but fairly good uh, clarity. It just has, a, it does have a bit of haze. I know it was, it traveled, so it was shaken up in in, in vehicles and and uh, just made it into my fridge, uh, you know, last night, <laughs> just before my kid went to bed. So, uh, you know, we forgive the, the slight haze here, it's probably, you're probably drinking a much clearer sample, but that's okay. Um, head of whitest bubbles persists pretty nicely. And um, there are the dogs. Um, 
but yeah, mostly fine foam. It um, it dropped away since, but it's still kind of ringing the glass. In the flavor, comes in clean with a medium bready, biscuity malt, medium high hop bitterness, but fairly smooth. It's not like a harsh, biting hop bitterness. It's really refined, I guess you could say, and uh, low earthy hop flavor in there. Uh, again, a clean uh, ale with well cared for fermentation. It seems like to me, it finishes uh, semi dry. It, it doesn't seem like too dry, although it feels like it's fairly dry. But the the malt hints at some yeah. sweetness in the finish. It really doesn't just dry away and go to nothing. Yeah, there's a perception yeah. there of of yeah yeah. I like that. The malt hangs in there. I'd say the balance is almost even with the. The malt is almost up up front a bit, and the bitterness is coming in to meet it just just there. But um, it is really uh, really nice on the malt complexity and the the English character to the malt. So enjoy that. Mouthfeel wise, it's medium bodied, no obvious warmth. Uh, it's it's again smooth without being biting or harsh at all. There's no astringency. Uh, getting a medium. Uh, CO2, it feels like, you know, like a session beer, but it does feel, um, you know, substantial enough too. And that's, it's, it's, it's a richly in the flavor. It's, it's, it's got a lot going for it for such a, you know, a light, you know, a sessionable English beer. Uh, and these, the well-made versions of these will have, you know, uh, uh, a little more complexity to them to keep the, Keep the interest and not just dry away and go to nothing and yeah and leave you uh, like okay why did I, why did I do this uh, anyway uh, overall impression it's a, a pleasant drinking best bitter you know the, the points that I'll make are just fine ones I think that it could even stand you know maybe my standards for bitterness are very twisted Skewed. because I drink yeah so many IPAs and, and things that are you know much more bitter and and aggressive you're like the joker of bitterness you're twisted <laughs> and damaged yeah yeah but uh i think that a little more bitterness to, to come up and just slightly overcome that the, the rich maltiness that's there i wouldn't do away with any of the nice complexity there but uh that smooth rich malt it, it's a lot to stand up to uh and you could get, go even just a bit drier because of that too i think and or maybe have a bit more of a mineral adjustment with like increase the sulfates just a little bit to get that kind of crisp bite of the hops to kind of kiss your tongue in that certain way, just like, you know, bite and, and dry off a little bit more than it does right now in the finish. But, um, you know, it's a very smoothly, uh, drinkable beer, uh, quite tasty and, and well-made. Um, I, I will ask about the, the water treatment there. Uh, but I'm landing at a, at a 39, I think that would, that's where I would put it in a competition. It's uh, excellent wow. beer. Is this, is this a Brian Cooper? Um, I'm, I'm grading it too high because the person is right across from me on Zoom. I would expect him to be brutally honest. And I think <laughs> he, he did. He did a good job. I, I wouldn't. Brian, would you ever skew your scores? Why would we listen to the show? 
I mean, come right. on. I know. I, mean, I would want- even ask him that question with me on in yeah. front of him because he wouldn't answer it honestly, That's even why. if he did skew the score. Yeah. People want to get their money's worth on this show. And they- <laughs> right. yeah. This is what I paid for, y'all. I paid shipping to one location for this. Yeah. <laughs> See? Yeah. And that's and that's why. Because like, well. You know, we don't want to dog the person. So, you know, each point no. we, we, we say each point above what it actually would be is, is worth $4. We always so try your, to be that's fair. Your recompense for, for shipping. We always try to judge like we would in a competition. Yeah, I, so, I, I tease, yeah. I tease Brian and Brian both because sometimes they think about, they get in their own heads because they're too smart and they go, well, I don't know. Is it too low now? Well, is it too high? I don't know. And then it's just a thing. Yeah, um, no, I'm we, just, have, I, we have to yeah. send her a 1099 if we're giving this four dollars per point <laughs> yeah, above our right. baseline. Yeah, we're sending out 1099s after the show. There you go. Yeah, I'm not getting anything wrong at all with this beer, and as it yeah. as it warms up, it's actually even more smoothly drinkable as it probably should be, and and you know served at a proper temperature. I pulled it out of my fridge when I got home and judged it like you know yeah uh, 45 minutes later, so it wasn't it hadn't warmed up yet very much when I first judged it, and now it's even a little nicer. Cool. Could possibly, no, you're could good. possibly even come up the point. It's getting prettier as you drink. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, uh, Just like me. That's right. Well, I don't know. That's, <laughs> that's doing a lot of work, Shar. All right, Shar, why don't you get that's a true. shot, man? Thank you, Julia. Thanks for sharing. I I really enjoyed this beer. Uh, it's you know I pulled up the Fuller's ESB uh, page. Uh, from fullersbrewery.co.uk while uh, Coop was talking. HTTPS uh, colon slash slash. Backslash, backslash, yes. Uh, And it was, uh, uh, you know, it's interesting. I didn't change my score sheet at all. There are some things that definitely resonate glancing at that sheet, knowing that uh, Jamil gave you that that Fuller's ESB recipe. Uh, Aroma? His version of it. His version. Well, well, exactly, exactly. isn't Fuller's the place where he made a kettle sour? Yes. <laughs> so I figure they probably, uh, I, I don't know. I think he has an interesting relationship with them. Uh, and I always, whenever I think about Fuller's, I think about Jim Bill kettle souring a beer at, at Fuller's and them probably wanting to go beat him afterwards. Uh, aroma, great low malt aroma, get a low caramel uh, and uh, a low bready character. So kind of a low herbal and earthy hop aroma with, uh, as it's warmed up, it was, it warmed up some when I judged this, it's definitely more than a low fruitiness. It's definitely sort of a medium fruity character at this point. And it's not, you know, an off fruity, it's an intentional fruity that is to in always in my mind, kind of one of those hallmarks of, of English fermentation as well as English hops. And, uh, you know, the Fuller's ESB page, intense fruit and hops, uh, marmalade, uh, sort of a marmalade character. And that was the marmalade word was a word that I I was searching for a word when I was writing this uh, score sheet, you know, 45 minutes before the show. And I hit marmalade. And I'm like, boom, that's what it is. There's a mar- hint of a marmalade character to this sort of an orangey, not exactly like an orange marmalade, but maybe in that family. Interesting. Yeah. You know, we, we say sometimes candied orange peel, but I sort of like marmalade. Yeah. It, it's, it's more, I don't know, uh, distinct, I suppose, or meaningful. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. maybe. I, like I mean, everyone's I gone. Good. Well, it's, more it's, it's, maybe more, it's more English. That's right. right yes. Right, right. Marmalade. 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 
And also everyone's been to a diner and you have that, you know, to that, that little packet of that Smucker's orange marmalade, oh, yeah. which is not the greatest marmalade in the world, but it's not bad. I love a marmalade, and it's, man. It's, well, I, I do too. Yeah. And that, that's what, I mean, that descriptor is more accessible, I think, yeah. than the candied orange peel because everyone's been to a diner and open that up and put some on their toast and try it. Yeah, we don't necessarily have candied orange peel, you know. No, no, it's eat, not exactly so, yeah. a thing. Yeah, it's not hanging out at your mom's house or anybody's house. You what just you go know? grab some out of a bowl. Yeah. What do you know about my mom? <laughs> your mom's a saint. Whoa. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> Should be. All right, go ahead, bro. So, yeah, it's uh, no off aromas. I thought the aroma was really, uh, was great, uh, was distinctive and British. I got a hint, and I'm gonna, I'll ask you about this later on. In the aroma and in the flavor, I got the tiniest hint of brown malt, which to me is always the UK's answer to Special B, where they're both great, but they're both things that should be used in an extremely restrained way. And if it is there, it's used in a very awesome and restrained way. Because anything more than a tiny bit of special B gets you raisins. Anything more than a tiny bit of brown malt gets you tire rubber. So <laughs> I, I you, thought you it was perfect. Let me know when perfect. you're ready to talk about that because okay. you've got a good nose for the detective work in that. And we'll talk when you're well, ready. Well, thank you. Yeah, well, after after the score sheet, we'll talk about your recipe. So, yeah, I gave that 9 out of 12 for aroma. Appearance, 3 out of 3. It's a medium copper color. Uh, it's uh, very clear. Uh, my background is making that hard to show. Uh, low persistent head uh, flavor, uh, initial low maltiness with uh, medium low fruity esters. And again, I, w- I would call that now that it's warmed up medium, maybe even medium high. Free, like in that orange, it's not exactly orange marmalade, but it's in that family. Uh, and I get sort of an herbal character in the hop flavor as well. Uh, medium b- bitterness, uh, it balances in mid palate. And then in the finish, I think the ba- the balance tilts toward bitterness, which is fine. It's with, within style. And in fact, it's partly why it's called a, a best bitter is the bitterness kind of takes control. Uh, well attenuated, no off flavors. I think it's really complex and interesting. And it's a real great example of the fact that you don't have to have something be a barley wine or an old ale to be complex. This is a low alcohol by American standards beer. You know, it's not huge. Uh, there's not, you know, 30 pounds of malt and 30 pounds of hops in a barrel of this. And yet there's a lot of complexity, I think, because of its 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 low alcohol, its low gravity and its simplicity. It lets it kind of paradoxically, it lets that complexity come through a little bit more. So I gave that 16 out of 20 for flavor. Uh, mouthfeel, five out of five, medium to low body or I'm sorry, medium low body. That would be higher than low and lower than medium. <laughs> Does that, <laughs> I, I gotcha. think back, it's like that episode of The Simpsons where, you know, Bart's reading like highlights and you know, don't do what Donnie don't does. I was like, what am I supposed to do? It's just confusing. I'd uh, like my steak medium rare plus, please. <laughs> <laughs> plus, plus what? A one? No, <laughs> plus more fire. Uh Low carbonation, which this style should have, uh, no warming, neither creamy nor astringent, and five out of five. Uh, overall impression, I gave it a nine for a total of 42. So in this similar ballpark as, as Coop, uh, this is a really excellent and complex beer. Uh, and I wrote it down here, but I, I yapped about it earlier. Beer doesn't have to be gigantic to be complex. And this is a perfect example of that. 
uh, it's really well made. And thank you so much for sharing. Brian, I will say, oh, what did you give it? What was the number? I uh, gave, gave it a 42. 42. Wow. Look at you So guys. I think I'm Nicer within what? than Brian. Definitely, yeah. <laughs> Other Brian. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that typically what? happens. Yeah. yeah. What were you thinking, Coop? I, I just, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, Char- to be honest, I can appreciate You, you actually that. took that seriously, Brian. I, I was... Poor Brian, I was kind of joking, and he kind of took it like, well, now I have to justify my score. <laughs> I'm the OG Brian on this show. That's yeah. right. You're the newcomer, yeah, you know. Brian, what is it now, be, four years ago uh, or something? You should be making me feel bad. Hey, I'm going to let you all duke this out and go back to the fridge to get my second one, so I'll be right back. All right, you got it. Sounds good. You know what? That's a good place yeah. to take a break. We'll take our quick break real fast, and we'll come right back. Good idea. And we'll, uh, we'll talk more with Julia about her recipe, and then we're going to get into her book, and we're going to get into what the AHA is doing and homebrewing in general and all that kind of fun stuff. It's going to be great. Stay tuned. It's Dr. Homebrew. We are on with Julia Hurts, Executive Director of the American Homebrewers Association. We'll be right back. What's up, homebrewers? Hey, let me ask you a question. You spend a lot of time making your beer taste the way you want it to, right? Some of you even send beers into Dr. Homebrew for feedback. Well, the next logical step in your creativity is to craft some labels for those beers. And there's nobody better at creative labels than Grog Tag. Their easy-to-use designs let you turn out some pretty amazing stuff like labels, bottle caps, coasters, even six-pack carriers with minimal effort on your part. They have a range of label sizes that fit any vessel you can think of. Bottles, cans, growlers, kegs. GrogTag has you covered. Head over to grogtag.com today and check out their line of amazing, fully customizable templates and get your beer looking its best. GrogTags are water-resistant, reusable, and will have your naked bottles looking great in no time. That's grogtag.com and be sure to use code BNARMY at checkout to save 10% on your order. Now, back to the examination. All right, thanks for sticking around, everybody. We are going to be getting to uh, to Julia's recipe. She's pouring a beer right in front of our faces, which I find very awesome Woo-hoo. and appreciative. But Cooper, or not Cooper, Shar, I want to point out, you did forget a question for Julia. Oh, the, the one gosh. the one thing you're known for on this show. Well, the, the third thing you're known for on this show, and you forgot to do it. Disappointed, in Julia. You. Are are you in a homebrew club? I'm in two, but I've been inconsistent on my second one. Hot barley and the Ailers in mm-hmm. Boulder, Colorado, is my original club. Many many years, been a club member, and then Indian Peaks in Longmont, Colorado, mm-hmm. is kind of my second club. Very cool. Awesome. You know what's fascinating about both of those? Neither one has a cool acronym. <laughs> or more to the point, kind of a funny, a funny beer acronym. It drives me. I mean, we have in the American Homebrew Association <laughs> data, recipe, or forgive me, database on our website, 2,000 plus homebrew clubs. We are the main destination. You want to know about homebrew clubs, mm-hmm. any one of them for listings, go to homebrewersassociation.org. And the acronyms just drive me bad. <laughs> like if somebody's putting in to our database their information for a club, please spell it out. Yeah, they just they just put the acronym and not like what it stands for. Uh, uh, not every time, but yeah, like sure. anytime that's happened, it's kind of like when you go on social and you're like, "Great, I want to follow this person. Who is this person? Maybe I need to call this person." And they never list their like last name, and you're like, "Who are you? <laughs> like, give me the intel. Give me the full information, please." 
Hey yeah. man, I'm Buzz. That's my name. My name's Buzz. All my <laughs> friends call me Buzz. Yeah. yeah, so Beer Buzz, I'm never gonna call you because I don't know how to find you with no last name, dude. Just filling out, whatever. Just filling out information with nicknames. Yeah, I don't know. Red. Uh, <laughs> Biff. Yeah, I'm not calling for drugs, man. I'm calling to to talk to you about homebrew. Is Red there? Uh, so I got a 42 from the, you got the a Brian Ash, not the. Not the OG Brian. That's right. You got sorry, Brian too. I'll couch it better, Brian. Yeah, yeah the, 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 the young young G Brian compared. Well, I guess I'm older than Coop though, so it doesn't make any sense. This is the Brian, illustrious I Brian. Too, I think you got a thing with your age. Like, let's <laughs> calm down about that. We're all here as equals. Ages exactly. Well, we don't let exactly. him forget it. I think that's yeah. really my. Uh, <laughs> we, were, we were searching for a nickname for Brian early on, and Esquire just never stuck. We, we could call <laughs> yeah. Esquire, but he is, uh, yeah, well versed in the law. So if you ever you need any help with patents or whatnot, he's, yeah. he's thanks, thanks, man. There you go, a little. Soft yeah, plug Esquire there. is a nickname. Just kind of is like a douchey magazine from the eighties. So nobody wants to be called <laughs> that's that. Still here, man. Um, oh, really? he, you know, real. F- I think so. I don't know, man. Print is dead. Brian, it's you know? 2023. We don't say douchey anymore, please. Yeah, like, come on. Brian. No. Yeah, that's a good point. I was yeah. kind of reaching back to the 80s slang for the 80s magazine. <laughs> Oops. There you go. Um, you know, before we get to the uh to the recipe, I, I I wonder. We talk a little bit about bottle variation. I wonder if I got a little bit of something there too, because I get a tiny bit of clove, um, which maybe is those clove cigarettes I've been smoking. But uh, I'm kidding. I, I'm, uh, I'm not I'm not an art school anymore, guys, you know? Um, yeah, a little bit of clovey and like a little, a little almost like an apple juice in the aroma. Interesting. Um, but if you guys don't get that, then I'm just going to chalk it up as like bottle variation. And or- yeah, maybe I had an unclean bottle. I'm fa- I'm very thrifty. I'm famous for re- reusing <laughs> bottles. Um, no, I actually, I, got to. I feel like I get a little bit of a, a spicy, a little bit of a clove-like in there too, JP. I can but agree with that. I, I, I think that's what I'm thinking is a hint of brown ale. I think that's what, I think we're all Ooh. tasting the same well, thing there. Let, when we're going to talk ingredients, we'll see. Yeah. Okay. Maybe that is it. Um, because I, Julia, you don't know this. I'm a super taster. So I get, <laughs> I often, and these two guys are grandmasters, so they know more than I do, but I've never been tested myself, but I'm I'm a genius. Essentially, is what I'm saying. So we're all super tasters in our own mind. You know. Yeah, there you go. Wait, what's that supposed to mean? Um, okay. All right, Julia. <laughs> you can call right. me Grandmaster B. There you go. Give us. I know no, that. We can't. Uh, yeah, Nicole Ernie <laughs> is a super taster. I am yes. not a super taster. I will never claim to be. I know my weaknesses. I know my strengths. Nicole but, Ernie yeah. is great. She's awesome at vocabulary. Yes. I can taste better. Yes. I'm just going to say it right now. Um, okay, Julia, I will disagree okay. with you on that. Give us your uh, give us yeah. your recipe. Let's go through the ingredients on this thing, and let's uh, let's settle this brown malt debate, please. Okay, and and again, credit to Jamal for Zanishef for talking me through. Author of Brewing Classic Styles, mm-hmm. and so he provided this recipe. With then the home brewer in me had some variations, but not a lot, um, based on availability and the like. So. Um, the, the malt base is, and it was maddening by the way. I mean, he gave this all to me in like kilograms and grams <laughs> and like metric. And I'm like, WTF. Like normal. And he sent like an attachment that wasn't just the word doc. Cause it, I mean, or in the email text, thankfully, thankfully he had that. Cause the attachment was like a pro mash file that my system wouldn't open <laughs> so jamal next time oh, you God. flip and give me a recipe i'd like it not in metric right 
And I would, yeah, Do I would, the work I would for like me, to log Jill. that request. <laughs> yeah. Anywho, um, Pale Two Row Malt. Um, what I ended up getting was Simpsons um, Best Pale Malt. It's a good malt. This was a just shy of five gallon recipe. So t- almost 12, uh, just shy of 13 pounds of Simpsons Pale Malt. For how many then, gallons? Um, what? 10, 10 gallons? Uh, no, this was a five gallon. Five gallon, okay. And then um, 0.66 pounds of crystal malt, 70, love a bond. And that was it. Like, right. Very simple, straightforward grain bill. So I haven't had a secret ingredient yet that I love y'all are tracking down, which is interesting. (laughs) I may or may not use it again. And then the hop bill I did have to change based on availability. His hop bill, again, this is a Fuller's clone recipe, more of a um, uh, strong than a best bitter. I think this is landing in Mm -hmm. best bitter range. Um, but it's supposed to have, and I'll just run the not numbers, but the bittering hops to flavor hops and aroma supposed to be bittering for target, then three minutes with challenger and also North down and a little bit of goldings like, so a pretty complex three minute boost of hops, all English. Mm-hmm. And then another boost for dry hopping of, um, golding. I ended up with Chinook for my bittering hops. I couldn't get target. And then my mix for the oh. three-minute hop additions was half ounce EKG, half ounce Northern Brewer. Nobody judge me. And then um, uh, for half ounce Challenger. And then I did have Goldings on hand to dry hop with. Okay, and nice. What other White Labs um, English Ale yeast was called for, and I used that. And amazing smack packets, like or not smack packets. Wow, amazing not smack packets, but like really viable new packaging. I love the, Your the pitch, yeast. yeah. Yeah. yeah, the yeah. pure pitch thing. That's it. That's it. Um, and then you asked wow. about water addition. So I use, and I took notes, Brian, uh, OG Brian. Sorry. Uh, not sorry. Um, <laughs> I do like, con- you know, getting me to consider the water adjustment because I'm really squishy. Like I'm terrible. Like I'm brooding. But like, ah, just like a little pinch here. And like oh, the rest is, maybe I'll bump up the volume here. It's terrible. Same. I need to finally invest. I mean, my gosh, I do this for a living. How many batches of homebrew have I made? I have NHC metal winners under my belt when I didn't work for the association, all that. (laughs) I don't deal with my water good enough. I need to learn how to test it, you know, city water or town water, and I need to learn how to adjust it better. Yeah. That said, I threw in um, some some gypsum, three tablespoons. And then I also did... Hold the phone. Where are my notes? Not on this. I'm the app is kind of hard to read. Yeah, um, right. I did. Oh, I did, and then for there was some clarity. I did a half tablet of Whirl Flock. Um, and those are my water additions. Okay. Pretty basic. Yep. That's, and then I and then no, I no, nothing it. nothing weird. Yeah. Cool. And then I primed it, and it's funny. I had bottle variations, so I'm easy, ready to admit, and easy to. Um, learn and admit my mistakes. So my first bottle while y'all were talking and, and not pontificating, but tangibly giving me feedback and scoring my beer. Yeah, that um, rarely happens on the show, but yeah. Sure, sure. <laughs> I said that for good measure. Yeah. Um, it it was a little flat, right? And I'm th- listening to, you know, Cooper talk and this and that. And I'm like, huh, my carbonation levels are low. And then my newest bottle that I just poured, I mean, like, it's got a nice, like, robust collar of foam. Oh, yeah. And it's coming on stronger. So 
So I might've done a poor job on priming day of actually ensuring that I didn't rush and that the sugar um, mixture that I made, you know, mixed into my conical fermenter before I bottled. So I think that was an issue, but it's okay because the first bottle, my brain was like more like Cascale. That's really what I want it to be like anyway. Mm. Brian, you know, you Cooper, you weren't thrown off by that. And so I don't think this beer is supposed to have a lot of snap of carbon dioxide anyway, but I do like the second bottle a little more. And plus that carbonation will volatize out as we're talking and I'm drinking my pint. But so here's the kicker and um, not OG Brian S. The um, the priming um, agent was um, uh, brown sugar. So I, I primed oh. with brown sugar based on a lack, classic homebrew move, of having <laughs> priming sugar in my house. And I was like, oh, I don't want to, you know, prime with like Coronado sugar or whatever. Like, I just wasn't in the mood. I'm like, oh, it's an English ale. What if the brown sugar yeah. gives it a little flavor? And I think it did based on I what you're all did. getting. Yeah, but yeah I, I agree. A little hint of molasses flavor there. Yes. Like treacle almost, right? And yeah, treacle is no. a yeah. very English flavor. But then when JP's talking, Jason's talking, I'm like, shoot, it went to clove to him and a little bit more of like, I don't think that was bottle variation and apple cider. I think that was from the brown sugar, but maybe I'm wrong. Likely, yeah. Mine did seem like more like your second bottle, yeah. that carbonation hung in there. It was a little more, a little snappier, but not, not over medium, kind of medium, medium low like to me. And Brian, you got low carbonation, I, I heard. So, yeah. Yeah. And then yeah. I do want to finish with something, and then you all should do some more talking back to share your response. I just shared a not very complex grain bill, a little bit more complex hop schedule, right? But the recipe blew me away, and I was able to do this now with advanced, you know, all-in-one electric system and controlled fermentation via yeah. app, like my goodness. Um, the fermentation steps were wild. I started at 62 and over the course of 10 hours was told to bring it up to 68 Fahrenheit. Then for four days, I brought it back down to 62. Then for two days, I crashed it to 42. Then for 14 days, brought it back up to 50. What? And then for seven days, fermented it at 32. And that schedule was recommended by Jamal. And my fermentation temperatures maybe are a little off based on what my app is showing me of what he recommended, but that's very close to what he was saying to do. And it's all about taking the yeast to a place. And that's why I think this thing is so smooth. To me, this is one of the more poetic, smooth, approachable, complex, sessionable beers that I personally ever brewed. And I would brew this again in a heartbeat. The only changes that I would do yeah. I want more flavor hops. When I was tasting this throughout the fermentation process, just to take a little sneak. Got to do you it. Know, and, a, and a bump, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was I was happy to get, I love that you all laughed. I was so happy to get um, uh, flavor uh, hops. The hops to me were so flavorful. And so whereas Brian wants me to bump up the bitterness, which I absolutely will pay attention to, just a touch bitter more for this bitter for to be in style. I totally get it. I want more flavor hops for personal preference. And yep. that expression right. of hops is what I want more of. I agree with that. Uh, I This could use more flavor hops. I think that would be great. Uh, you know, I I think I like having, okay, having never had English beer at the source, only having like 
Fuller's, you know, Fuller's uh, that's been sat in a shipping container and coming across whatever, right? Like heat damaged or people's interpretation of, of English style beer. Having never really been to England to have a a, a proper pint of this stuff, I, I I think that I would prefer a little bit more flavor hops in these styles of beers as well. I like a malt. Don't get me wrong. I'm not a hoppy guy by any stretch of the imagination, but I do like a I do like a hop flavor. So I'm, I'm yeah. with you on that. I'm with you on that. But I think that would help give you the impression of okay, it's got a little more hop here standing up to the malt. The malt comes across even though it's a very dry beer as, as seeming a little sweet and a little, you know, very complex and nice in that way. And yeah, all eminently smooth. Uh, but yeah, I just, I did want just a little more hop. And I think that a little more flavor hop would, would have a similar effect to me too. Um, I don't want it to be a bitter bomb by any stretch out. You could bump that up a touch if you want, or just try the, the flavor change. What, what was your uh, hop addition in the flavor, Julia? Um, so three minute edition of a half ounce EKG, a half ounce Northern Brewer, a half ounce Challenger when it was technically supposed to be half ounce of Challenger, North Down and Golding. What could she do there, guys? I don't know that the Northern Brewer hurt you. I mean, it can come across kind of woody and a little minty. And I didn't get any of the mintiness that you can get from Northern Brewer. I think that comes across at higher at, at higher volumes of Northern Brewer. Uh, a little bit of woodiness is perfect for a, a beer like this. Yeah. I, I didn't find find that any of that was was inappropriate. Uh, you know, I the I've been to London twice, and the first first time I was there for a day, and I had like three hours free, and I was like just running around trying to do a, a tiny bit of sightseeing and, and get like a little bit of cask ale. And the first time I ever had a cask ale was at this place in. in down by the city hall of London, it was called like a golden sheep or something. And it was maybe three and a half, four percent. And it was just absolutely a revelation. It was just so perfect to the temperature. It was not warm, but it wasn't like 33 degrees out of the fridge, like in the U.S. That's and what the I'm, hop, the that's hop what I'm flavor, expecting. Yeah. I mean, the hop flavor and the hop aroma were so distinctive. Oh God, that looks so I'm great! I'm going to show you this poster in my. You're inspiring me. I don't know if you can still hear me. Yep. Yeah, we can gotcha. hear you. Yep. This is like the best. I look at this every day when I work. It's right in my eye view. Dale's best bitter. Dale's best bitter is a little sign. It's a guy with a hiking club sign above him. And little dogs on the um street corner, and he's got a pint <laughs> in his hand, and he's popping his you know uh, head out the door just to get a little breath of fresh air before he goes back in by the fire sits on that leather chair and has one of these beers. Oh yeah. This is one of the most romantic visions of beer to me without my yeah. face on top of that guy's body. <laughs> I, I think of like, this is it. And what you were just describing B2. Yep. That's it. My yeah, favorite part you know, about Julia is that like, she has a, a different nickname for Char every single time. And, and I totally get, she's talking about me, but uh, yeah. no, it, it's, it's amazing how you can, the, Americans love to emphasize hops by using a ton of hops, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with that. That's what we do. The British have spent centuries being able to just figure out how to get that incredible hop character in a 4% beer, a 3% beer without having to put in, you know, five pounds per barrel uh, and yet still have it come out of that cask, that cask pull 
just being a revelation about what hops should taste like yeah uh and what they should smell like and what malt goes with i mean it's it's just a classic it's example balanced. of it's make, balanced. Yeah, it really is. It really yeah. is. And, you and know, ce- centuries of perfecting that balance. Yeah. And I want to talk about uh, that fermentation schedule, because to me, that seems like something that that Jamil would just go, come on, you don't need to do that. Just leave it at 64 and you're done. Like, who cares? I don't have time for that. Yeah. <laughs> so, and I'm, everything I'm, was in Celsius. So I can't convert it to Fahrenheit. <laughs> oh my Lord. I'm like, oh my God, what's going He's on? He's turning European. Um, so, I, you know, I don't know. And the way How many de- hours at 400 Fahrenheit? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the way you described it, Julie, where you call it the, one of the most poetic beers that you've, that you brewed. Yeah. I mean, I don't know that fermentation schedule do, what do you guys think about that? If someone, if, if, if someone else was like, well, here's my recommendation, take it up to 60, whatever, and then bring it down to 30 and then bring it back up to 50. But like, would you, why not? If you have the bill availability through yeah. controlled fermentation, it's not, a, it's not a good, this should not go in brewing classic styles from Jamel and brewers publications, because I think most home brewers are not expected to take things through those drops and rises. But if you've got the ability, my answer to the question on what do you think is, is this was the perfect um, recipe to send me with my new controlled fermentation ability. It was perfect. Nice. Yeah. Yeasts are uh, kicking out different flavors at different stages of fermentation and reabsorbing things at, at other stages. So if, you know, Jamil talked to the people at Fuller's and, and this is what they told him to do. I would be absolutely willing to try I just, it if I, I... I can't imagine that that someone on a commercial scale is doing this. It sounds like maybe Jamil is just trying stuff out because I know he's brewing a lot of these at home now. So I think he's just farting around and maybe this is the new thing that he's landed on. But I just, I mean, from from everything that I've ever learned or or, or pseudo-absorbed, about yeast structure and, and, and phenols and whatever is that like, you know, once it hits in the forties or something, you're not doing anything. It's just going, it's just going dormant. So I wonder, I wonder why the bring down and then the come up again, I think it seems like that coaxing, would stress the yeast out. He's coaxing behind the scenes diacetyl in my guesstimate. I don't think I pulled it off. Like it didn't display here, but I'm thinking it potentially is about diacetyl. Hmm. And, and smoothness, right? This is so smooth. The ethanol in this, yeah, yes. There is no. It's like it's cask, even though it's it's um, bottle conditioned with priming sugar. Like this is such a smooth ethanol. Like the, the 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 expression of 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 alcohol is beautiful. Yeah, it's very softened. It's very rounded out. It's very mature. The, it's the not old- rough or rustic. The only sharpness yeah. that I can get from this is CO2. And right, can, and, and I got to work on that. And maybe the brown sugar I wasn't like the it. best approach either. Well, I mean, you know, I think I, mean, I think it's going to be really hard to, to bottle condition uh, and then, you know, pull off like a cask, right? And I, and I mean, harshness is as far as, or sharpness as far as compared to like a cask, right? I see. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, because it's it was, fine, yeah. right? But like it's, it. I, 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 yes, I know what you mean. It is very smooth. So I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm going to talk to Jamil about that. That's a very we all interesting. Onto that. It would be interesting to talk to him and figure out why he did that. But yeah. I, I finished the whole bottle and I don't always Uh-oh. do that on the show. So it was, yeah, That's it was lie, very smoothly drinkable. Yeah. Yeah. It was great. It was outstanding. Um, let me take, how many breaks have we taken? Just one? Two. Probably one, one more. I don't know. Yeah. 
All right, well, take a, let's take a, another quick break, Julie, because I want to chat about uh, what's going on at the American Homebrewers Association. I have some just generic homebrewing questions in general, you know, State of the Union kind of stuff. I'm interested. So hang on, everyone. It's Dr. Homebrew. We'll be right back. Hello, fellow BNers. This is Sully from the 21st Amendment Brewery located in San Francisco, just two blocks from Giants Park. Before Nico and I opened the 21A and before I was a professional brewer, I homebrewed on my small four-burner apartment stove in a back house in Santa Monica, California, making my extract brews before graduating to the daunting idea of all-grain brewing. Homebrew books and information was hard to come by back then. The internet hadn't been invented yet, along with other things we take for granted today, like electricity and potable water. One thing I wish I had back then when I was learning was a radio show that could teach me the ins and outs of brewing and answer questions that I had about homebrewing, a resource for making great craft beer. The 21st Amendment Brewery is excited to be a proud sponsor of Dr. Homebrew, a great show that teaches you what you need to know about making incredible beer. Good stuff. Listen up, you might learn something. I certainly did. And thanks for your support. Tasty Crack Games. Thanks for sticking around. Julia, you, along with all of the beer, you sent me this awesome book, or us, but I, I stole it. I might give it to Cooper because he leads a lot of, like, tastings and stuff. Uh, beer Pairing, The Essential Guide from the Pairing Pros. And this was uh, 2015 you wrote this book, right? Co-authored, yes. Co-authored, with um, yeah. Gwen Conley. 2016, not 2015. Well, oh, okay. Excuse me. Excuse me. 2016. That's uh, I, I also sent you Zymergy, didn't I? No. You didn't get a Zymergy? I did not. I swear, I put maybe I put that in Jamil's box. Maybe. Anyway, you should have. I really wish we were, you had a Zymergy in your hand too. But I'm very proud of that book. Very proud of Zymergy magazine. <laughs> what do you want to talk about? Oh, Zymergy is amazing. Uh, but th- this book, I I never I never knew that you did it. I think it's uh, incredible. I opened it up. You know, that you, book has gone into paperback. It's more than ten thousand copies sold. Like, really? It, it it took me seven wow. years to become smart enough to know how to get a book together. And of course I was smart enough to also tap a co-author. Cause when you write a book and you're like mm-hmm. responsible to somebody that like your, their opinion matters to you, you're going to deliver and chat, you know, file your chapters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but so I think that book is everything I would want beer educators, beer lovers, uh, people in beverage and hospitality, wine lovers that want to get to know beer to the way to get to connect the dots on why beer does so well with food. This is, and I, I will be completely honest with you because that's just how I have to be. I never thought, and I, I went round and round with Sean Paxton, the homebrew chef, uh, about beer pairing. And, you know, this is back when I, in my, uh, my days of, uh, you know, just trying to stir the pot just because I was fucking bored. Um, and I was like, beer pairing, this doesn't mean anything. Like you just drink whatever you want to drink with whatever food. <laughs> and I challenged Paxton to like, like, tell me about it. And we had a good show and we never did a follow up, which, you know, was sort of like the point the the follow up was, was going to be proving me wrong, but we never did it. But reading through this book, I, it, it addresses beer pairing to me in a completely different way. And it's more about the synergy with the beer and the food, breaking it down almost on a molecular level. 
And with whereas beer pairing, it's usually like, oh, high end. Okay, well, here's this ingredient you're never going to get at, at, a, at a, you know, unless you have a, a very high end Korean supermarket near you and then whatever. Right. And here's this rare beer that you're never going to find anyway, because I got it from the brewery 10 years ago. Uh, yeah, that's not beer pairing. And it's like that, that yeah. to me is like, you know, okay, this is, this is pointless. Right? I don't, I don't need a whole nother show. You got two minutes. <laughs> Tell okay, me, so give it here's to me. your two minutes on why beer pairing is so relevant give it to me first of all the majority of time that we are drinking beer if it's a certain time of day or earlier is with food right most of the time evening not necessarily after dinner time there is the sense of the mind to palate connection and what we are looking for cerebrally if you are living one step above or many steps above survival where you're not just eating food for calories and you're not just drinking, you know, beverage and beer for, you know, thirst quenching and and sustenance, but you are doing it for gastronomic enjoyment, then that's beer pairing. And the point is, the more you learn about that mind, how to describe what the palate is factually perceiving, because the mind's the one that gossips, like the high school kid in the corner at the school gym during the dance. You start to dial in the factual perception. It's just like judging beer. I'm a BJCP certified judge, advanced Cicerone, and we are instruments for what we perceive. So if we're going to talk about what beverage does with food, you want, and this is the easy steps, so people can communicate with each other. You want to tell yourself or to others, is it a home run? Is it middle of the road? Or is it a train wreck? Home run, one plus one equals five. Beer makes the food better. Food makes the beer better. They become something new and different. That's maybe one in 20 pairings that I'm presented. Middle of the road, they don't take away from each other. They certainly support each other in quenching thirst, scrubbing the tongue for the next bite. Maybe there's a little bit of echoes, echoes, synergy, you know, and bridges, but it's nothing to write home about and it's not a home run. And then train wreck is like a actual, you can describe like a negative palate experience. Ooh, you know, the capsation heat um, from that spicy salami really clashed with my, you know, English best bitter. And I could probably tell you why, but like that is negative. And so that's a teaching moment. And the point is, is that wine does not own the, the block on pairing. Wine taught us salty foods, right? Um, fatty foods are balanced by acidity. And then there are some echoes and synergy by the flavor profile, the more one-dimensional flavor profile of fermented grape. There's also fermented fruit, which is wine. We don't really give credit or honey, mead, sake. But the point is, is that beer has so much prowess because if you take grilled, roasted, and smoked meats and those temperature changes, as opposed to poached and boiling, you get Maillard reaction. You know, you get melanoidin advancement. And then you think about kilned and roasted malts. Kilned and roasted malts, is that same temperature strata of grilled, roasted, and smoked meat based on how much temperature has been applied to the, to the barley or the grain that's being converted. And that's where you get your echoes, your, your, your links and, and hooks, and those, those words I keep bringing up. And so there's synergy. There's so much simpatico synergy, Randy Moser will use that term, and harmony when you pair the right beer with the right food. Wow. Cool. Well, there you go. You know, I, I was, yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah. I was thinking about it today. You know, what'd be great is, is to do a bad beer tasting. That's the that's <laughs> teaching me. moment, right? Yeah, the right, yeah, yeah. Tell right. me why, why is it bad? Exactly. And this is the, this is the argument I would, would have with Paxton, you know, again, you know, 
trying to be bombastic for, you know, for listeners, but it was still kind of true because I, I, I wonder about it. It's like, show me, I need to know what is wrong to believe that what you're saying is right sometimes. And with this, I, I need that. Like, I need to know what, what is, what is the worst, what are the worst two things you can put together to, to, to pair with beer? You know what I mean? Like you said, give me the train wreck. Yeah. yeah. Get, like, well, what, what would be better with like Brussels sprouts and asparagus where wine, if we were to do that, mm-hmm. I want wine oh, in the God. mix and maybe a spirit like a bourbon or something. It's so fun to do all three and there's more to do. And I mean, there are chemical reasons we write about them in the book. And we write about the negative um, uh, coaxing of, uh, you know, oxidative qualities going to metallic when you pair things like IPA and salmon. And the omega acids going to metallic. Okay. The omega acids and the, and the oils go rancid. And like, there's so many cool things, dude. I love this. And like you flip through that book and we started to chase down just some of them. And the reason I I won that book on the map is because I was studying for master. I've sat for master multiple times, probably will never pass based on learning challenges. And the deal is, is that I called Ray, my, one of my mentors, Ray Daniels, who started the Cicerone program, frankly, my predecessor at one of my roles at the Brewers Association. I'm all in on Cicerone, Ray. You know, I've been testing since you started it. <laughs> Beer and food, it's too squishy. You're giving us this 19-page syllabus, Ray, and we've got these bullets, and you talk about beer and food. Where can you point me to study so I can prepare for this book? And he admits of the five areas of study in Cicerone that it's one of the most squishy areas because Hmm. perception's personal, so too then is pairing, right? If I were to present to you my version of a home run pairing and I had 20 people in the room and I've done this multiple times and then I get everyone, like, give me, I love like pairing, um, I don't know, a a brined um, dill pickle with garlic and a goza, right? Total synergies happen, right? Okay. Like meets like. The, sal- the salinity in the pickle lessens the salinity in the goza. The wheat malt in the goza starts to pop and be potentiated by the actual salt, which is kind of a crazy circular thing to think about. There is just so much more going on and it does become a home run to me. But I, every time I do that, I only can get 75% of the room where they're like, whoa, I noticed new things and they were pleasing. 25% I can never get. So pairing's yeah. personal because perception's personal because we all aren't having the same lens to our our you know gastronomic appreciation. Right. So you're never going to get all the people in the room to say yes. I love that. Or I, I mean, maybe it. yeah. For some people, it just amplifies all the you know the acid. It just becomes too much if they're a super taster or they have a sensitivity to a certain flavor component. It's going to just go off into like distortion land where everything is too much, you know, yes. whereas other yep. people get it on a balanced level and it works. Well, yeah. And it, it's, it's a good, it's a good point because you, you mentioned yeah. in the book, I picked up somewhere, you know, flipping it is, through it. Um, this microphone is not, hold on a second. There you go. Um, flipping through the book where, you know, you mentioned like how many people like onions. I know I'm paraphrasing, but it's, it, you may make that, you know, comparison too. It's like, not everyone likes onions. So not everybody is going to be on board with whatever, whatever you're talking about or whatever you're delivering taste is very, very subjective. Right. Yeah. True. We've talked on this show numerous times, you know, w- without boring everyone to death. I mean, there's something Too like late. 250, 300,000 possible things you can taste. And the average person tastes what, like 20, 30,000 of them. A super taster might get to 50. That's me. And there's not, there's that overlap. Not everyone tastes the same 
you know, 25,000 things. There's a shift yes. in that, you know, there's things that one in 35 people can taste that everyone else and, is blind to. And pays attention to it. So as we mature yeah. and we are those yeah. that instrument for what we perceive and we practice the practice of appreciation, I'm here mm-hmm. to say that sensory-wise, Right now, I can feel me rubbing my fingers. I can hear my voice in my head talking. I can visually see Brian B2 nodding his head. I can hear ringing in my ears from tetanitis. And I can still taste the discerning bitterness and a little bit of sugar from the beer. And just think about what I just described. That is one movie going on that's not one moment in time. And this is another Randy Mosierism where everything that we perceive, if we try to dial into that one moment and judge it like a beer, you have to think about beginning taste, mid-taste, aftertaste. It is not just one sip because that one sip is that movie. And so what you just described, B2, is it's even more than that. It goes deeper. It's not that just some people genetically perceive a certain amount based on the spectrum of possibilities. It's mentally that palate to mind connection back to that is how much are we dialed in based on the noise of the day, the tiredness of the day, the noise of the room, you know, all of that. And so as we mature and start to say, I'm going to really think about what I'm drinking and eating and, and give it, give it that moments due. We are tasting more. We are perceiving more. It's it's blocked in us sometimes. And when you dial in, you are you are actually perceiving more than you would on a different day when you're not as dialed in. I bet you're really good at like mindfulness meditation. I try. Because you I mean, just like <laughs> Look, listening it's really to hard you. hard for me to sit still. It really, I try. Same. And working with my therapist, it's very much like, you know, like, you know, hang, trying to get rid of anxiety and stuff like that. But like listening to you talk about you know, what's going on right now. It was so easy for you to rattle off those things where, you know, for me, it's very hard to get, you know, in synergy with the present, right? Because it's always, I'm always thinking about the past or the future and worrying about whatever. So I don't know. I just, just wanted to, to point that out in your, yeah. in your book, you, you have a section here that I thought sort of paralleled or, or at least was a very uh, applicable to the show conscious smelling. And I thought that was a really neat thing to say. And, and, you know, just kind of going through, like making sure you're focused and appreciating and ready to taste a beer. And we talk a lot about how to perceive flavors and what they mean and try to find a vocabulary for them. But I think that that phrase conscious smelling really, really showcases that it it says what you're supposed to be doing without a lot of words. Yeah. I thought that was neat. it's, It's even the bigger picture concept is conscious appreciation, right? Let's appreciate and be conscious about it. And then that's what creates shows like this, right? You all set aside the time, you get the beer, you, you judge it, you give that feedback. And like 10, 15 minutes in, when the third person, one of you of the three is, is saying your lens to that beer, we've all now dialed into that beer even more because we're a collective. So we're not just one palette on the show right now, we're four. And so from getting everyone's perspective, we're much more conscious. And just at least when you individually do it, you're you're much better off. And then when you listen to others while you're consciously appreciating too, it's exponential. Yeah. That's part of what makes beer, beer judging fun. When you got into it, when we first yeah. did our first study group and you know, you're talking to other people about the same beer and, and people are throwing out really good descriptors for it. And it's like, oh, this one, I get soy sauce. I was like, I'd never heard of someone talk about 
soy sauce in a beer. I was like, oh, you're right. That is that <laughs> added a new descriptor to my vocabulary. And yeah, you know, putting putting things together like that language to what you're getting in your the flavor sense at describing the beer is it's a hard thing because it's a two different disc, you know, not disconnected, but two very far apart parts in your brain, you know. I love what you just said. And I'll say the value of this show is, is, you know, we are very interested in what we've helped create. So if I brewed a beer and I'm going to get an audience of three and then others that might benefit from it, you have so hooked me. So my point in what I get to do, American Homebrewers Association, 30,000 plus members, been around since 1978. I've been your executive director. If you're a member, if you're not, please be one. Less than 50 bucks a year. Easy peasy. It pays for itself. The reason we brew is because we are going to learn so much more. And when people talk to me about my beer, nothing can distract me. I am mm. all in on that conversation. Nice. Nice. I like that. That's what's that. Yeah, very good. Very cool. What's happening? We, we should talk some about the age. Oh, sorry. I just stepped right <laughs> on you asking that, JP. Right, I yeah. was curious myself. What's, like, what's right. new at the American Homebrewers Association? What are you guys up to? What's your, what's your focus lately? On 2023, we've yeah. got... Uh, first, we came through COVID. Yeah. <laughs> and the association has done new things, brought back uh, National Homebrew Competition. So excited to come from 2022 Pittsburgh to 2023 San Diego. Stay tuned for what 2024 looks like for National Homebrew Competition, but start brewing now. We're bringing Homebrew Con to Great American Beer Festival in 2024. What? The American Homebrewers Association started the GABF. That's right. That's right. So we're bringing HBC Homebrew Con to Denver, October 10th through 12th. Save your money or send your homebrew club officers with your reserve funds that have already the volunteer road trip. You will come through Homebrew Con this year. Wait a minute. Or sorry, next year. Yeah. It it will be like no other. It won't be as big. We probably won't get as many homebrewers. Um, but the homebrewers that come, the hundreds, the thousand plus, hopefully, they will get to interface with professional brewers and homebrewers in no way that homebrew con is ever delivered. It's a one-year fun, mm. let's do it. We've got Zymergy Live. We have a whole webinar series tied to the wonderful magazine of Zymergy. If you're not getting Zymergy every other month, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. Come on. Like, come on. Get with the program. That's right. Um, Wait, reasons I, and rewards to brew. I want to uh, go. I want to go. I want to interrupt you. I want to yeah. go back to HomebrewCon yeah. at in JBF. What does that look like? What does that even mean? So it's no longer in the summer. It's just it's it's going to be combined it's October with JBF. One note. This is a one year proposition for okay. our national gathering at this point. I mean, yeah. since COVID, like we really had to rewrite the script. We have not announced the details. Stay tuned. Okay. You want details? Be a member or sign up for our free. Don't even have to be a member. Um, what's Brewing newsletter? Just go to homebrewersassociation.org and get the newsletter. We'll get to details right now. We're having fun behind the scenes. Just having, frankly, just finished Great American Beer Festival 2023. Yeah. And now the the planning really will get pen to paper and we'll start to construct what that looks like of in the hall around the convention center for, you know, national satellite events, 
and the like. So stay tuned and get your communications from us. I am so curious about this. I got, I, I will, if I'm not signed up already, uh, I will fl- I'll, I'll flog myself and then, and oh, then, I'll find and then you. I'll look again. you up. <laughs> you probably will too. <laughs> um, I am so fascinated with, with this idea because it, it's, I don't know. One thing about, about struggle and strife, right? Like, like, you know, pivoting for COVID and all that kind of stuff. Um, it sort of makes you think about stuff that you would never think about before. And then it's almost like, why didn't I think about this before? Right. That makes so so much sense. Yeah. Look at your body language right now. You're like, wow, look at the possibilities. Yeah. My, my hands are up behind my back. I look like Ferris Bueller, like a fat Ferris Bueller. I love your response to this. And it is, it fits. It fits. It's it's a real, that's a really cool idea, man. So when, do you have a timeline for announcements or, or just stay tuned in general? Cause you guys, it'll keep you on your, your toes. All right. I don't like, pay attention. I want to, I want all the things now. That's why I I like Amazon. What else do you really need? (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's probably true. Julia, we're going to let you go. I really appreciate you taking the time, not only, uh, you know, sending us beer and whatever, but just taking the time to chat with us a bit. I would love to have you back on in the future. I mean, we can talk so much about beer pairing in the, in the book about flavor profiles and about how you work with all that kind of stuff. I, I, I think it would be great. It'd be fascinating talk. So, um, maybe we'll get you back on at some point. Huh? Just quickly. I wanted to, uh, thank her for coming out to our little, uh, homebrew festival that I prioritize every year is uh, the Northern California Homebrewers Festival. And we oh, had her there yeah. recently. She was the featured speaker there this year. Oh, my goodness. And I attended, got to attend her talk at this thing I go to anyway. And it was great talking about inclusivity and, and homebrew clubs and a lot of good things there. That was another thing I wanted to touch upon. We'll just have to have you back on another time. Yeah. But uh, just would love to collect any of your impressions or a few thoughts about uh, NCHF and, and weren't we- you going to ask me my favorite thing of like the favorite thing? Yeah. <laughs> what was your favorite moment of NCHF besides meeting well, Cooper? You will, I, you just put the nail on it. Like you're you and your wig. That was like, throughout. <laughs> <laughs> please show a picture. Somebody show a picture. You and the, and the fact I got to say creative, creative. I don't know how many years you've done it where you go around and you get a little sample of each of the beers and then you create, this magic, not even potion, but like very viable um, fermented beer that has been influenced by every one of the beers that's been brought. Like that's yeah. some true dedication to the to the beauty that's brought forth and then creating like that living liquid, you know, memory and bringing it to the next year. So, Brian, my favorite piece of it all was your engagement and how much you took it to a whole nother level. Wow, look at you, the Brian. Beauty and the weirdness. Very of cool. Everyone's beer together and yeah, bringing it back way. to them. Yeah. Uh, we finally uh, found uh, someone who appreciates you, Brian. <laughs> you know, it, it's kind of that weird combination of that Mad Zymer just science and that hippie, let's all let's all come together and make a beer together, man, out of a little <laughs> bit of everybody's. And it, I, I always love that combination, that kind of yin and yang of the, the science and the let's just all be together and we'll make a beer like one, man. It is a it is classic Uber. You've been doing that for we yeah. need to taste some of that. It really the next is. Show. Huh? Bottle some up. Uh, you probably Ooh, that's a see great this idea. Big picture. Go hold it up to the camera a little better. <laughs> Can't really see it, but uh, yeah, you know what? Out. Uh, email that to me, and I'll make it the uh, I'll make yeah, it the image the for this world. show. Okay. Show I will yeah. say in closing that it really fit with my approach too, because my if you follow me on Instagram, um, I'm at Immaculate Fermentation. And so like, I'm really into the spirit of that. I'm on X or Twitter. I'm at hers muses, but like, I love the notion of like 
immaculate fermentation. And we are playing a bit of God and this is not religion or anything, but like when we ferment, when we homebrew, when we, when we make things, you know, make something from something else and build up ingredients into this, like it's just, it's just so damn cool. It's so rewarding. Yeah, it really yeah. is. It really is. Uh, there, uh, earlier on in the show, people were talking on uh, on Facebook in the chat about using lacto for like sourdough starters and stuff like that. And it's it, it is it's wild, like how how homebrewing in general and the I think the technology that has advanced homebrewing allows people to do these other fun projects too, like sourdough. Like I got really into sourdough. Um, um, the the boys at Yazoo Brewing uh, made a sourdough yeah. starter from from their sour beer, and that's what I use now. I'm like, oh, I've always wanted to do sourdough, so I did it, and it's awesome sourdough starter. And it's I've, I've been using it for a couple of years now, and it's it's very like fruity. It's very very interesting, and I don't know, it's just and a lot of fun. I don't think I would be into it if I wasn't uh, home brewing. I totally agree. And we've taken AHA. I know we're closing out, but American Homebrew Association, we are now leaning in, and we have been for several years fermented foods, other fermented beverages. We're a great resource for that because basically homebrewers already have a lot of the equipment, ingredients, and know-how and ingenuity. Yeah, yeah. And so we are a source now to take people to those brine pickles, make a fermented hot sauce. Let's teach you how to do kimchi. Kimchi, and, yes. and the like. Yeah. Yeah. Kimchi yeah. is great. Yeah. And Julia, <laughs> you were saying before the show that you have a podcast. Huh? What's the, where do we listen to that? What's the name of that? Sense of Beer Style. Jeremy Storton from Good Beer Matters and I have been doing it for a little over a year. We literally take every 2021 BJCP style, Beer Judge Certification Program style, and make it a show. So it's a different twist than what you all are doing. We're not judging a beer as yeah. we do it. We talk our way through the style guidelines, basically starting with overall impression to appearance, to aroma, et cetera. We also add pairing. And serving temperature and glassware to it. Oh man! And each, nice. each show, senseofbeerstyle.com. You can watch it on YouTube or get it on any platform. You know, iTunes, Spotify, whatever is devoted to one of the BJCP style guidelines. That sounds cool. great. And glassware has been a a, a a touching off point on this show for a while too. So yeah, I'm we want to do about a, that. Yeah, a whole show about that sometime. I think. Yeah, that'd be great. It, it's we've discovered <laughs> just judging homebrew on this show at, just by accident that it's like magic and you can pour something, you can pour the same beer from the same bottle in the yeah. two or three different vessels and it will taste almost totally different sometimes. Yeah. And it's, vo it's voodoo that none of us can explain. And we should have you on to talk about that and have you on to talk about diversity and inclusion and, in homebrewing and just we should have it. we should schedule like four more shows with you that's right right now we're gonna do it open source yeah i tell you my favorite way to drink sour beer is like um the 10 ounce sort of mini shaker glass i don't like a tulip glass because it's uh the sort of shaker glass is more uh more tart there's more sourness that comes through i don't know that's my always my uh my thing anyway i'll also say when you all get to the glass thing you know molecular structure and the porosity of glass varies too so it's yeah. not just shape, it's the actual physical structure of the glass. Mm -hmm. And that matters as well. Okay. And it's yeah, fun. We got to do, we do that. One we'll beer do that. with different you know, glasses. Yeah. That's a great yeah, point that. because that's a thing that I always like to talk about with regard to people talk about like plastic versus glass carboys. And the old mommy was always, oh, plastic can scratch and bacteria will get in the scratches. No, B bacteria will get in the porosity of the plastic. 
you know, a, a scratch in plastic you could touch or feel is like the Grand Canyon to you or me. I mean, it's irrelevant to the I mean, you're going to wash that stuff out. But the porosity of the plastic is really important. And it never occurred to me. I, I just kind of was kind of glass. When you said that, I was kind of processing. And then, it, yeah, you're you're exactly right. I mean, the surface finish, like any material, the surface finish can be different. It might feel the same to your like your finger, but your finger's not picking up micron size variations or Mine like is. what what are the <clears throat> what's super, the well, yeah what, I'm a super you're feeler. a super feeler yeah exactly yeah. it's not it's not you're not you're not picking up like what what's the what are the molecules what what's the end atom on that molecule chain that's exp- on the inside of the glass. It's yeah. going to grab onto something in the beer. Wow, you're you're blowing my mind, Julie. You're giving me a lot more stuff to think about about glassware that I had ever thought about before. And Neat. now I'm going to go down that rabbit hole. And I I thank you for that. I love a B two. <laughs> you go. Yeah. You go. That's why I always wear a hat, Brian. Thank you, Julia. I really case, appreciate that. In case someone blows my mind, I can catch it in my hat. Well, <laughs> Cooper, I, uh, I should I should be taking your taking your example, <laughs> yeah. man. Cooper, if someone wants to be on this show, how do they do that? Well, they would uh, email Brian at thebrewingnetwork.com. That's Brian with an I, and that refers to B1 or the OG Brian. But, uh, <laughs> and now, now forevermore, we will know the other Brian Sorry, is Sorry, I got it wrong. B2. Oh, it's B2. B2. That's right. Yeah. That, it's okay. Yeah. B2D2. JP does Brian at thebrewingnetwork.com. Let us know <laughs> what you're going to send us, what you want to get out of it. And uh, we'll take your beer and taste it on the show, just like we did Julia's. And we'll, we'll judge yeah. it just as fairly, whether you're, you know, Joe Schmo just starting a homebrew uh, or somebody who's been doing it for decades and wants to dial in that perfect English bitter, whatever you have. That's right. Julia yeah, Hurts, executive up. director of the American Homebrew Association. Thank you very much again for coming on the show. I appreciate it. And uh, everyone, until next time, we will see you later. 